Today on the Rotten Righteous Podcast, we asked the question. You want to come fight about it? You know it? what would have helped? I'll beat you over the head with my Bible. I'll beat it. Beat your head. I'm a Bible beater. Not that I beat the Bible, but I use the Bible to do the beating. I beat beats with the Bible. <laughs> Break it down! Welcome to Rotten or Righteous, a show where we veg out and watch movies while trying to produce the most entertaining show that we can. Joining me today, again, we are a little bit light on the host front. Luke uh, got mistaken for a uh, Brooke Shields lookalike stand-in, and he was just taken away by a mob from the mid-90s that know who Brooke Shields actually is. So we are without Luke... But don't worry, joining me today is my other regular host, the man who, when I say tomato, he says no thanks, Scott Judge. I don't look anything like Rick Shields, and it saddens me just a little bit. <laughs> Luke, I want you back. Luke, is there ransom involved? <laughs> I'll pay it. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Just bring Luke back. And I am, insert vegetable bun here, I don't know, maybe something about corn, Zach Geiler. Before we dive into our show today, we here at Rotten Righteous like to set apart a portion of our show looking at some of the uh, day's news stories in a newly renamed segment called Mostly Outrageous and Reasonably Ostentatious News Information Cultivation Report, or Moronic report for short. <laughs> That's great. That is aptly named, my friend. Aptly named. This week's headline, Scott, I didn't have to go looking for a news story this week. The news story came to me. Makes it easier. It, it was literally sent to my phone right before I left uh, left work last night. But did, did a fan send it to you? No, Fox News sent it to me. <laughs> great. My phone gets news alerts like most modern phones. I know you're still rocking a Nokia from the late <laughs> 90s, but when you update to these newer <laughs> smartphones, they'll actually send the news to you. It's pretty nice. Uh, but I had a news alert on my phone, and here is what the headline reads, and this is written by the reporter Alexandra Diabler. It reads, Nebraska man pleads with city council to stop using the term boneless chicken wings. ladies and gentlemen you heard it here first the coronavirus is officially over when i'm getting news alerts on my phone informing me of local (laughs) of local city councils where random citizens are getting up and complaining about the nomenclature of our foods we have nothing left to worry about You know, Zach, I have no evidence to support this, but I would imagine that it's more difficult for chickens to fly without bones in their wings. I think it's difficult for chickens to fly with bones in their wings. So, (laughs) 
be downright impossible without them. Some topics are just too important to go unsaid, despite how controversial they are. A Lincoln, Nebraska man has gone viral after making a very passionate plea for something that has been on everyone's mind since the invention of Finger Foods boneless chicken wings. More specifically, the term boneless chicken wings and what it really means. Adler Christensen arrived at a Lincoln City Council meeting and took the floor to demand that we do away with the verbiage. From our menus and from our hearts, in place of something more accurate, such as, quote, buffalo-style chicken tenders, end quote, or, quote, saucy nugs, end quote. <laughs> no, no, no. Or even, quote, trash, end quote, <laughs> the man offers. Saucy nugs. If I go to Buffalo Wild Wings and order some saucy nugs, I may get arrested. Well, maybe if you did that, but if anyone else did, I think it'd be okay. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this county, Christensen began. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning. Other reasons, he argues, includes boneless chicken wings or just chicken tenders, which are already a thing, and teaching children that meat grows on bones and chicken wings come from the wings of a chicken. Christensen deftly moves into his expert defense behind his desire to remove the term from menus in Lincoln, starting with, nothing about boneless chicken wings come from the wing of a chicken. It's true. Quote, we would be disgusted if a butcher mislabeled cuts of meat, end quote, he claims. We have been living a lie for far too long, and we know it because we feel it in our bones, Christensen concluded. The video, which was shared on Facebook and then reposted on Twitter, has since gone viral, with legions of fans backing up the Fed Up Man's crusade. At Josh Kelly 16 said, he's not wrong. At I am Ryan Keefe wrote, finally, a political movement I can sink my teeth into. <laughs> so stupid. At Dallas Sports 12 said, we gotta get boneless wings out of the heart in the lexicon of our children. <laughs> is, is things this bad in America right now, Zach? I mean, has COVID brought us to this point? You know what? It, it has brought it to this point that I'm I'm actually more concerned about this man's fight for bold and boneless chicken wings than, than COVID or the election. Or the election? Yeah. At 32, yeah. T-Bird wrote, I get annoyed when the waitress asks, traditional or boneless, when I order wings. You hear this at PJ's Pub? There's wings and then there's nuggets. Spicy nugs, they shall forever be. <laughs> Christensen's battle is not new. A survey conducted earlier this year found Americans were divided over the concept of boneless wings, with 34% claiming they felt duped by the term, seen as they were more chicken nugget than wing. However, 53% of those polled said that 
boneless wings should count as wings. From Moronic News reporting. (laughs) (laughs) This is your Moronic Newscaster, Zach Geiler, signing off. This week we are reviewing the 2007 children's animated feature film, The Pirates Who Don't Do Anything, a VeggieTales movie. Let's go ahead and dive straight into the review. The movie opens sometime in the 17th century, and no, that's not me forgetting the date or not writing it down. It literally says on the title card, sometime Sometime. in the 17th century. And then, there's a sword fight between pirate vegetables and sailor vegetables. And I've got to say, Scott, of all the sword fights I've seen in the cinematic universe that I have visited over the years, this one is pretty lame. (laughs) <laughs> well, and part of the reason for that is they have no arms. How do they hold the swords? I don't know. That's the first thing I ask. They just, it's magic. It has to be magic. I think it's telekinesis. That's the only explanation because they are yeah. able to move these swords. Unfortunately, all they're doing is moving them from a left diagonal to a right diagonal while their opponent is doing the same thing. So they just click their swords together. Get a lot of clanging. But thankfully, it doesn't last very long until Prince Alexander of Monteria is knocked down by a barrel. And then the dreaded pirate, Robert. Robert. Prince Alex's uncle shows up. He is the only one in this film that makes any sense as far as their anatomy is concerned, because he is the only one in this entire film that has mechanical arms and legs. And did you notice on his peg leg, it has a spring? I love that. The man can get some hops. Because if you got a spring on your peg leg, you can jump. And then his arm was like a little pincher. I was digging the dreaded pirate Robert. I was not. And I'll tell you. Really? I thought... <laughs> Because but Zach, you got a spring in your big leg. I, listen, whatever about that. I, I was digging it up until um, they explained a, a, what was going on. Where he's like, you know, yeah. my brother stopped trusting me ever since I started dabbling in the mechanical arts. And I yep. was like, oh, no. See, when I first saw him, <laughs> I was really confused. Because I was like, how does a vegetable with no arms and no legs lose their arms and legs and have to get peg legs and hook hands. And <laughs> I, was, I was really enjoying that thought until it was ruined. He gets the better of the prince and orders his nephew, that's who the prince Alexander is, is the nephew of Robert, to be tied up. And then he orders them to find the princess and bring her to me. Real quick before we move on again, I do have another question. How do you tie up someone... That has no arms and no legs and can levitate swords. Uh, it's, you can't. It's it's impossible. I, I, <laughs> I did laugh. I gotta tell you. Go ahead, Scott. I've never I've never watched Veggie Tales before, so I had no idea. With you know, but it makes sense because there's no hands and legs on a carrot. Or a stalk of celery. Yeah, but there's there's mouths and eyes, so. (laughs) Well, 
they, they wouldn't have much of a movie without those. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of my complaints with the movie, though. You know, vegetables aren't going to talk, so go ahead and put legs and arms on them. It'll be all right. <laughs> I, I will say that I got my first laugh of the movie after Robert has his henchman to go find the princess. And I don't yeah. know why I laughed, but they walked into the, the captain's quarters and they see what looks like <laughs> a uh, asparagus stalk leg, what have you. And he takes out his sword and it's just a vase. It's just a vase there. <laughs> See, and I guess I'm, I'm, I had to adjust to this no arms and no legs because they focus in on this face behind the curtain. And I'm watching this. I'm going, why is he even looking at that? That's not, there's nobody there. Yeah, but it looks. Well, of course it's going to look. Exactly. You got no, you got no feet. No, there's no legs. Um, Robert's like, hey, man, where's the princess? And he goes, princess is in there, which is a straight up lie. Alex, yes. this is supposed to be a faith-based movie, and you're already teaching situational ethics. I don't care about the greater good. Lies a lie, Alex. But I digress. Even even to protect the sister, huh? A lies a lie, homie. Uh, but yeah, so the princess is hiding below deck. She immediately comes out and says, "I gotta help my brother." And the butler's like, "Nah, let's not." Let's just stay here. And she's like, I'm not going to listen to you, Jeeves. Talk to you later. And then she brings out a golden sphere called the Help Seeker. And she asks the ball to find the heroes that can save her brother Alexander. And the gold ball rolls around a little bit. And it jumps overboard. And the uncle sends spies to Monteria to find the princess because he needs them both in order for his plan to work. And then... Boom! The Pirates Who Don't Do Anything, the VeggieTales movie title sequence. And the crowd goes wild! <laughs> right after they were fired. Not really. Uh, it made $16 million on a $29 million budget. It was a flop. But anyways, now we are in a restaurant in the present. It's a pirate-themed restaurant. Think medieval times, but with pirates. Aye. And we first meet our first protagonist, Sedgwick, who is a lazy gourd. And his girlfriend is there in the audience because it's family day, and they're talking about how old Sedgwick is just a cabin boy. But don't worry, because Elliot's girlfriend, and Elliot's a cucumber, played by Larry the Cucumber, Elliot's a cucumber, the girlfriend of Bernadette... Well, she just happens to be sitting next to Sedgwick's date, and they really want some barbecue sauce. That's all they really want, Scott, is some barbecue sauce. But here's That's the problem. That's not what I heard. What did you hear? When they, when they first ask, we need to go back and, and we should we should have talked about this before the show. We should pull it up right now and watch it. I think she said barnacle sauce. She does not say barnacle sauce. She I, said barnacle sauce. I, I'm 100% certain she does not say barnacle sauce. She said, not the second lady, the, the first one. <laughs> she said didn't say barnacle, barnacle sauce. sauce. I watch all these movies she, with the script. If it said barnacle sauce, I would have oh. highlighted it and brought it in. Do you have the script with you? It, I, I have you should look. a PDF. I know for a fact it's not barnacle sauce. That's what I so, heard. That's the first problem our heroes face is uh, the hunt for barbecue sauce, not barnacle, barnacle sauce. sauce. We're not <laughs> watching SpongeBob. 
Now, Sedgwick, who is, as I said, lazy, well, he can't go get it because it's in the back room, and that's too far for him to walk, and it's out of range for his labor-saving device, which just so happens to be a robot with, like, a grabbing arm. Elliot, who is afraid of everything, says that it's too dark. Now, the dark is on Elliot's list, which comes into play quite often throughout this film. The list is the things that Elliot is afraid of. But then they all agree that George, who is an old grape, will go and get it. You see, George's problem is, well, George is a loser. And his family loves the star of the dinner theater production, Sir Frederick, a gourd, more than their own great father, George. It's actually really sad. It is. It's it's just a really sad scene there when you see who these guys are. It's like a reverse cats in the cradle with George. Yeah. When you come in home, home, son, shut up, Dad. You're a loser. I don't know when, and I'm not going to hang out with you when I do. Get out of my room. Now, all three want to stop being cabin boys. Now, cabin boys is another name for a waiter. All three want to stop being cabin boys, but they all lack confidence. And so, at the end of the show, they're cleaning up when a creepy leak shows up. This was just like the guy in the rail cart in Old Brother Where Art Thou. No, I, there's a lot of similarities between Old Brother yeah. Art Thou and this movie. There is a lot of similarities. Which and this is me. one of them. And the leak, who is blind but wears clear glasses, but he has <laughs> no eyes, says... In a walking stick. He gives the following prophecy. The hour is near. The call is coming. Adventure awaits. Though you will stumble, the crab will show you the light. When adversity devours you, a lever will set you free. When all hope is gone, help will come from above in the shape of a donkey. Donkey. Take heed, oh friends. The stage is set. For the heroes at hand. Now, I heard this and I thought, what have I gotten myself into? Because it made no sense at all. Of course, they had the wrong interpretation of it because they're going to go and try out for the show. Well, clearly, when when somebody says, hey, your salvation is going to come from a donkey above you. I'm like, "Okay, I will go try out for the play. Thank you for the yeah. advice. <laughs> it's, it's good. I mean, you just got to connect the dots. And that's what they do. They go out and audition for this play. And it is absolutely <laughs> a disaster. Sedgwick just think- is too lazy to climb the mast to get to his spot in the crow's nest. A mechanical sea monster pops up out of the ground, which scares Elliot because mechanical sea monsters are on his list. Which sets in motion a change of or chain of events that breaks the entire set, and George just stood there and watched, and they got fired. Yep. So You're they're fired. Broccoli. And they're thrown out of the back door of the restaurant, and who comes out next? No other than Sir Frederick comes out the back door, and as they walk away, I heard another line that made me laugh. 
one of Sir Frederick's friends turns to Sir Frederick and says, "No wonder George kids or George's kids like you more than him. His dad's a loser." <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that is verbatim, folks. <laughs> and everyone gets mad yeah. at Elliot for convincing them to try out. But then a garbage truck rolls past and the help seeker rolls off the back of the truck. Now they immediately thinks it's a bomb. <laughs> this was so funny. They immediately think it's a bomb, and they're all scared that it's going to blow their hands off. Oh, wait. No, they're not. They can't be scared of that, because... (laughs) (laughs) It's a bomb. It's a bomb. It's not a bomb. It's a bomb. I don't think it's a bomb. It's a bomb. I don't think it's a bomb. (laughs) It starts to beep, and Elliot presses a button, uh, a red blinking button that was on the help seeker, and a rowboat falls from the sky. And then Sedgwick said a line that did make me laugh where he said uh, he's worried about Ellen, his girlfriend, leaving him because he has to move back into his mom's basement because he lost his job. And he says uh, he's pretending to have a conversation with Ellen. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'll say, hey, Ellen, the bad news is I got fired and I'm living in my parents' basement again. The good news is I got a rowboat. Well, you don't see that happen every day. And then, in their best, oh brother, were art thou uh, a parody, Sedgwick is mad at Elliot for ruining his life and tackles Elliot and George into the rowboat. And the help seeker starts beeping again, and the trio is sucked back in time, back to sometime in the 17th century. So they're dropped in the middle of the ocean. And they see a ship in the distance, and they decide to row over and check it out. They've come to the princess of Monteria's boat. What's her name? Eloise? Eloise the princess? I think so. Yes. I think that's right. And she's excited because she asked the help seeker to bring her heroes, and clearly these were the heroes the help seeker brought back to save her brother from the dreaded pirate Robert. And she explains the situation, how they need to go and get her brother back from Robert, and they decide that they need to talk about it. And while they're talking, well, the butler is talking with the princess, and he's really not impressed with the trio. But the princess trusts them, because the help seeker, which her father built, brought them to her. After they all agree that they can act like heroes for at least a little while, the three... Cabin boys agree to help the princess. And it's at this point that Sedwick or Sedgwick makes a uh, oh, it's just an absolutely timely joke. Where he goes, You guys got TiVo? <laughs> uh, there's a couple of those in the in the movie. I always, I always chuckled a little bit when I heard that. That may have been a future device in 2007, but in 2020, I don't think I've seen a TiVo <laughs> in like the past seven years. It's been a while. But of course, the, you know, they should be familiar with them in the 17th century. And I, and I will say that it's at this point that Sedgwick kind of starts to grind on me a little bit. His constant yeah. quips, well, they're, they're more grating than they are humorous. At the the TiVo point. Now the first place they have to travel to is Whipcrack Island. Home of the Jolly Joe Pirate Inn. (laughs) (laughs) 
you can make it there, Scott. I just I love I love the Jolly Joe Pirate Inn. I watched that scene three or four times because I'm like, are they in there drinking beer you know, and funny. dancing? No, it's... they were drinking root beer, right? And dancing. Um, and dancing. You no, know, we were watching the the preview, and at the end of it, we me and Luke both agreed last week that you were going to enjoy this at least a little bit. <laughs> I did. So they need to get to this inn because they need to find out more about Robert's sword that was dropped when he kidnapped the prince. Did you like, did you like, what was the name of it again? Joe's Crab Shack? Oh, that wasn't it. What Jolly was Joe's. Jolly Joe's. Did you like yeah. that scene? Before they reach the end, though, they're attacked by another pirate, One-Eyed Louie. And One-Eyed Louie gives them the count to, or gives them to the count of five to lower the main sail and prepare to be boarded. Of course, George and Elliot have no idea how to do that. Because they're waiters in a pirate-themed yes. wet restaurant. Also, I did laugh when Elliot puts One-Eyed Louie on his list of things to be afraid of. <laughs> to be afraid of, yes. <sighs> meanwhile... Loves the list. Meanwhile, Sedgwick is down below trying to find the bathroom. And he thinks he finds the bathroom key <laughs> when he finds this big old ring that just so happens to be the firing pin of a cannon. He thinks he finds the, the bathroom key, like at a gas station. Uh, it's on the ring of this cannon, but all he manages to do is accidentally fire the cannon, which bounces off about 13 rocks, because who needs physics? It hits Louis's ship and uh, disables it, and the trio is able to head uh, to the Jolly... <laughs> head to the Jolly Joe Inn. Oh, and Scott, good news, Sedgwick doesn't have to go to the bathroom no more. As he announces to everyone... So they finally get to the inn, and the butler asks the princess to stay behind on the boat as they go to inn to get information about the sword. But the princess refuses, saying, My brother's life may be at stake. Even princesses can do what's right. Good line. No, it's not, Scott. That's a Good dumb line. line. Negative. What does being Good a princess line. have to do with being right? That's like saying, everybody should do what's right. Even a garbage man can do what's right. Well, yes, of course, everyone can do what's right. Being a princess, prince, a garbage man, a janitor, a preacher, it doesn't matter. You can do what's right. Yes. And we're teaching kids that. I cannot, do what's right. I cannot stand this line. I can't stand it because it doesn't make any sense. You can just say, you know what? No, I need to do what's right. I need to stand up and be brave for my brother. But no, even princesses can do what's right. Well, no, duh. Do you know how, like... Fast England would have just collapsed in on itself if every princess that it had was just a horrible, evil person? Real fast, like Bloody Mary. <clears throat> Bloody Mary was Irish, but... Or no, she was Scottish. <laughs> so, you would have liked the line if it hadn't said, even a princess. Yeah, it was just dumb that, 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 that you yeah. put that... That you put that qualifier on it. Yeah. Even because a, doing right, right, doing what's right doesn't need a qualifier. Even dentists can do what's right. Yeah, they can. Good job. <laughs> she just wants to help her brother, Zach. Before going in, the butler tells the trio or gives them some advice and tells them that they need to befriend the pirates and then ask them about the sword. But when they enter, the pirates are in the middle of a square dance because why not? And the square dance is being led by a Scottish carrot because 
Why not? You know, there's all those stories about the great Scottish pirate, Scott. Yes. Yes. The great treaded pirate, Mr. Kiltman. The lyrics of the Squared Answer are pretty funny. It goes, yeah. uh... You know, and that's such a, I, and I'm, I'm here laughing. That is such a horrible message to send to kids. Even Poke princesses in the eye. can yank his hair and break his nose. Oh, that's true. That's that, true. But, it's a, but you know what? It's clean. It's funny and it's clean. Yeah, it's catchy. So they approach some carrots, or, or some carrots, probably carrots, I don't know. They approach some pirates playing cards, and George just absolutely fails at talking at them because he's a loser. But Sedgwick fails. steps up, he pretends to be a pirate, and they accept him. And then they ask him about the blade. And uh, then he shows him the sword, and everybody freaks out. And the barkeep it- reveals a shocking twist, Scott. Shocking. This sword belongs to Robert the Terrible. Which we already knew. So the movie has just spent the last 30 minutes showing us how the heroes found something out that the movie told us about in the first five minutes. Yep. That is true. Why? What What did the P stand for? I mean, they look like the Long John Silver's hat, but they didn't have Long John Silver on the front of them. Well, that's a, a serious question. I have no idea what you're talking about. The hat. You know, like you get the hats at Long John Silver's? No. It looked like the pirate hat. The P was like, the P was just a bar winch. Okay. There's, there's no hidden message here, Scott. It's VeggieTales. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the hidden messages in a second. <laughs> but uh, you've seen the hats you get at Long John Silver's, haven't you? They're the pirate hats? Yeah. Yeah. That's what that looked like. And so... Ah, oh, I bet the, P was for prostitute. The P was a P. It was a little green P. Oh, uh, what was the P that was on the hat? That stood for pirate, Scott. <sighs> Luke, Luke, come back. <laughs> the sad thing is I'm being dead serious now because I wondered about that, but it's just pirate. Yeah, it's just pirate. Okay. okay. So... After finding out that the sword is Robert's, which we already knew, they then learn about how dangerous Robert can be, which we already knew. The only new information that they are given is that Robert's fortress is rumored to be past the rocks of Malabar. The princess is ready to set sail for the island immediately, but the trio gives up when they're told about the danger. They're ready to return home, but Eloise, the princess, tells them that the help seeker won't send them back until they finish their job. When they are done, then the help seeker's blue button will light up and they can press it and go back. Now, at this point, Sedgwick won me back just a little bit when he said, I want to go home! Just get me back to 1972! I'll walk from there! <laughs> That's a long walk. That was a pretty funny joke, though. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. So they sail to the rocks of Malabar, but there's no island nearby. 
So Sedgwick comes up with a plan. They're just going to pretend to look around the rocks for a little bit for Robert's Island before giving up. And going home. And uh, Elliot agrees. And as George says, come on, guys, we'll be fine. We can look like heroes without doing anything uh, dangerous. And then a montage happens where this song called No Heroes Plays... And I hate to admit this, but this song is way catchier than it has any right to be. Mm-hmm. Like, the song is awesome. Yeah. Yo, I'm seeing no heroes. We're on a limbo craze. It's a relic from a limbo days. Now we're stuck inside the limbo zone. It's where the pirates go with too much time and a missing spy. Yo, ho, heroes. Where'd you put the map? Take another nap. Yo ho, heroes. Strike a better path. That's the way it goes. Yo, I'm seeing no heroes. We're on the bad mood swing. We haven't done one thing. Not even the minimum daily requirement. We got the funk without the parliament And if you're feeling a little seasick Rise and shine if you wanna get off the guilt trip Now's the time because the captain of the main ship Rings the chime, he could be coming before you know him What are you gonna show him? No heroes Standing in the gap Taking up the slack Following the king's map No heroes There's a lot of catchy tunes in this Until you read the lyrics This is what the song says it's what the other pirates do do, but we're bringing you Yo-Ho Heroes standing in the gap. Where'd you put the toys? It's time to take a nap. Yo-Ho Heroes, flighty as a bird. Easy is the word, yo. I'm seeing no heroes. That's no Hamilton, Scott. No. No, that's no <laughs> Hamilton. Not even close. Although I but do, it was catchy. I do appreciate the line of uh, them doing limbo, which is a relic from their limber day or more limber yeah. days. Mm-hmm. It's uh, okay. Basically, it's a montage that shows that Elliot and Sedwick are going to continue to be lazy while George begins to take on a role as a, of a leader. He's starting to be more heroic as the time goes on. And as they're sailing, sailing around these rocks, they come to a, a dark storm and a whirlpool. Everyone but George wants to turn the boat around, but he bravely sails into the storm, which turns out to be a sea mirage that is camouflaging the island. And how did George know that the whirlpool was a sea mirage? Because he saw it on the Weather Channel. Channel. Yeah. I love the references. You know, it's interesting that George wanted to go on, though, because I'm watching this thinking, what are you nuts? Don't do not do this. You're going to die. You're going down that hole right there. And yet he presses on. Well, he, he knew it was a sea mirage. He saw it on that weather channel. I know. Now, when he finds the island, George is immediately confronted by the other two for actually finding the island. <laughs> I thought you said... <laughs> Because the plan was to pretend to do something, not actually do anything. But George explains that this is an adventure. But Sedgwick responds, I don't want 
want any more adventure. I should be home on the couch right now, eating cheese curls and watching the love boat. Instead, I'm stuck here with Captain Weather Channel on my way to be sliced and diced by Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> it's great. That is a great line. Edward Scissorhands is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. But even in 2007, those references were outdated. Every single one of them. Oh, way outdated. And Love Boat? That was late 70s, early 80s, maybe. That was quite a while ago. But You I, don't remember that. I do. But I did chuckle about that. So they walk around. And they find the cave. Uh, that that the barkeep was talking about. There's a cave on this island past the rocks of Malabar. Well, they find the cave, and inside, wouldn't you know, they find a billboard. <laughs> uh, I've often said it's location, location, location. You want to put up a billboard, put it inside a cave. Well, and it's a billboard that explains exactly where Robert is hiding, which yep. goes to show you that if you are a violent egomaniac that wants to stay off the record and uh, stay off the grid, I should say, and not have people attack you, it's always good to leave a billboard with detailed instructions on how to find you. If a sailor were to look for me, the east is where he'd start. He'd reach the Isle of Walking Rocks and the Clapping Pass would part. Then gaze with pride upon my keep, not found on any chart, till he would spy my steely eye, and fear would stop his heart. Ooh. Copyright Robert the Terrible. All rights reserved. I tell you what, the, the, the plot really would have went on and on and on without that billboard. It really would have. <laughs> so soon after, <laughs> Sedgwick finds... Uh, he says he finds some valuables. They go, is it pieces of eight? And he goes, it's better than that. What, Spanish doubloons? Nope. It is millions of cheese curls just chilling out <laughs> in a cave. A cheese curl doesn't last out in the open very well. It doesn't take nah. It doesn't take much moisture to soggy out a curl. Or as I like to call them, cheesy nugs. And if you allow air to get to them, they get stale and they're absolutely disgusting. These would not be good cheese curls. However, we are forgetting the fact that the person that wants the cheese curls is a uh, gourd that has come to life. So That's true. Gourds don't typically have the ability to taste things. So Yeah. That's true. That's true. So he's a little less picky on his cheese curl. Could be soggy or stale. Right, he doesn't care. No. That's actually the name of our, when we revamp the podcast. Soggy or stale, we don't care. <laughs> no, it's just going to be called Soggy or Stale. <laughs> it's great. And so Sedgwick wants to stay here and eat all these cheesy snacks. And uh, Elliot and George go, well, we know where Robert's at. we got to go hunt him down. So we're like, you can go do whatever you want. I'm going to stay here with these curls. They leave, Sedgwick's behind, and he reaches for the first cheese curl, which comes to life and roars at him. Yes. We're back with Elliot and George. They're on the shore, but they notice that the princess and the boat are uh, far away. Well, it turns out that they had been taken by a couple of Robert's men. But good news is, Robert's henchmen left their rowboat behind, and George goes to push it in the water so that they could go after the hen- or go after the princess. And it's at this moment that the blue light starts blinking on the help seeker 
Elliot's excited because they can finally go home, but George doesn't want to leave without saving the princess. He really wants to do something that his kids will be proud of. And then Elliot selflessly helps George put the boat in the ocean, and the two sail off to the Isle of Walking Rocks and the Clapping Pass. It was a good scene, because I really wondered... I really wonder what was going to happen. Is he going to try to go back, or is he going to help his friend? And in the end, he helped his friend. It was good. I'll be like Luke. I like that. Snap back to Sedgwick, who is being chased through the caves by the cheese curls. When he reaches a steep, rocky incline that he is too lazy to climb up. And he gives up, and he decides that he's going to be killed by these cheese curls. Saying, again, Sedgwick won me back on his side with this line. Eaten by his own favorite snack food. <sighs> could be worse. I could be eaten by something I don't like. Oh, I give up. It was a good life. At least that one day from about 2 to 2.30. He's, that, 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 <laughs> I've never related <laughs> to a talking yeah, word more than when he says, it was a good life, at least that one day from 2 to 2.30. That was a pretty cool day. That <laughs> just, just cracked me up. Because you're thinking, okay, he's got this moment of reflection. It was a good life. Oh, okay, that's wonderful. I'm glad you think you had a good life. That one day, I'm like, oh, just one day? No, just a half hour of that one day, your entire life. Yeah. I loved it. I'm right there. But then a crab removes a picture of Sedgwick and his girlfriend from his pocket. And Sedgwick looks at Ellen, and he finds the resolve to survive. And he climbs up the incline, which leads to a sheer drop-off the side of a mountain. And Sedgwick jumps off and lands in the ocean, escaping the ravenous cheese curls. That had to be a huge decision to jump from where he jumped. I, I, I mean, I, think, I know we're dealing with the cartoon, but that looked extremely high. Yeah, but Sedgwick isn't fearful. He's lazy. I think that yeah. it was easier for him to jump off that cliff than it was to actually climb up to, to the cliff to climb in the it. first place. Because... yeah. Falling is very easy. <laughs> Ask anybody in a hospital with a broken hip. Right. We meet up with old Robert, see how he's doing, and the pirate's getting impatient with the prince's refusal to tell him about his father's return from his trip. Which, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this at the beginning. The king went on a trip. Yes, he did. In his favorite rocket ship, flying through the sky, little Einstein. Sorry, I have a two-year-old. Robert explains that he wants to blow up the king. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that so funny? (laughs) He invented black powder that floats just under the surface of the ocean so that when the king's ship floats over it, well, he's just going to blow it up. And he, so he needs, to know, he needs to know when the king is going to come home. And why is he doing this? Because, as Robert explains, I want the throne, the crown. For years, I watched my noble brother use his power for the benefit of every family in Monteria, except our own. Feed the poor, help the sick, the widows, the orphans, blah, blah, blah. Ah, I saw what you did there, Veggie Tales. Look at you with your incognito Bible verses. 
And just like that, <laughs> VeggieTales has now become more faith-based than The Wrestler. Oh, stop it. Well, hold up. The Wrestler, it is more faith-based. No, faith -based I'm sorry. Faith-based than The Masked <laughs> Saint. It has now more scripture quoted in it than The Masked oh, Saint. Oh, man. That smarts. You're right. It does. But that Literally, didn't take away any from the movie good movie. has to quote one verse of scripture. Just one verse, and it already is more biblical than The Masked Saint. Just yes, one verse. Yes. yes. Okay. More... Uh, uh, more biblical. <laughs> more, no one's thinking. Uh, I'm still troubled that you gave The Masked Saint such a low rating. I'm still troubled that you Truly think it's am. a good movie. So, the prince <laughs> says that he would give his life before betraying his father. Well, then Robert reveals that uh, he has the princess in custody, and he asks the prince if he is willing to give his sister's life to keep the king's secret. Robert then gives the prince two hours, for some reason, to give him the information he wants. If he's a good round time. Oh, and they don't, then they're both going to perish. Elliot and George, meanwhile, arrive at the Isle of Walking Rocks, which they look at the rocks and they're not walking, so maybe it's figurative language. And George notices the clapping pass across the bay, which is just, you know, it's a pass. It's just two rocks and a little trail in between for water. And while he is looking at the clapping pass, Elliot realizes why it is called the Isle of Walking Rocks as he accidentally wakes an entire family of rock monsters. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Rock movie. The monsters surround the two, and George and Elliot are convinced that they are going to die. But at the last moment, right before the rock monsters attack, Sedgwick swims ashore, still being chased by the cheese curls. And the girls chase Sedgwick around, which makes the rock monsters laugh. And the little girl rock monster picks up the curls and begins playing with them. And while the monsters are distracted, the trio sneak away through the clapping pass. But the pass is closing fast. Sedgwick says, again winning me on his side, I don't think that's possible. And that's coming from a guy who just swam 92 nautical miles without arms or legs. <laughs> He floated. <laughs> hey, got a serious question for you. What would you do if you were being chased by a cheese curl? I'd munch on it. Would you? Yeah. What if it started talking to you with big teeth? Like, is it nice? Well, no. They're angry. They're angry cheese curls. No, I'd still eat it. So, George asks the dad rock monster for help. The monster tosses their rowboat into the bay and then performs an awesome cannonball, which creates a wave that carries the trios straight through the pass and into Robert's lair before it claps shut. But before, but before they're able to enter into Robert's lair, they are attacked by a mechanical sea monster. But Elliot bravely stands up to the sea monster and is immediately eaten. <laughs> was a great scene yeah how vast do you see monster oh they both just kind of stare <laughs> and while Sedgwick and George are terrified unfortunately the monster immediately shuts down 
Because it turns out the sea monster was mechanical, and Elliot found the off lever. The trio infiltrate Robert's fortress. They make it to the dungeon and find the prince and the princess. Using Sedgwick's labor-saving device, they're able to steal the keys from the sleeping guard. And again, Sedgwick makes another timely and relevant reference, where the prince asks, What kind of magic is this? And Cedric responds, it's not magic, it's Radio Shack. <laughs> Again. I feel like we need another... to insert like taps or something in here for our fallen Radio Shack. <laughs> well, Radio Shack, Love Boat, TiVo. <sighs> it's a good old days of Radio Shack. So... They got everybody saved, and then Robert busts in just as they're about to leave. The pirate is convinced that the king's heroes must know when the king return or when the king will return. So the trio reveals that and we're not the king's heroes. We're not heroes at all. It was all a misunderstanding. Explain. We're no heroes. We're cabin boys. We work in a restaurant. We clear dishes. We clean up. We give people refills on their soft drinks. <laughs> That's right. The king's heroes. He's so lazy, he can't even climb a ladder without giving up. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's scared of everything. Spiders, snakes, wicker furniture. It's true. <laughs> and George there, he's such a wimp, even his own son thinks he's a loser. And Elliot responds, it's true. Is <laughs> No, sorry. Nothing like being nothing least... like being called a loser twice. No, this is like in the this third movie. time. Third time that goes, one. Is it true? And George goes, It's true. The ball made a mistake. We're no heroes. But just then, George remembers the blind man's prophecy. We've already seen the lever in the crab. What's next? Help that's going to come from above in the shape of a donkey. Well, he looks up, and what do you know? There's a donkey-shaped chandelier just sitting right over him. And then, because even cabin boys can do what's right, still a dumb line, he cuts the <laughs> rope, holding the chandelier and knocking over Robert. And they escape, but Robert gives chase. The clapping pass is still closed, but they're hoping as they get closer that it'll open again, but everything seems pretty hopeless. But then, at the last minute, the king's ship breaks down clapping pass, and Robert is defeated, sinking to the bottom of the ocean. They straight up just, we just watch him scream. On my word, brother, I'm not finished! I'll never be finished until that crown is on my throne! And then the movie just straight up rips off Wizard of Oz and Star Wars at the same time. <laughs> yep. As the three heroes are giving medals, are given medals by the king for uh, amazing tenacity and unwillingness to give up, for extraordinary bravery in the face of grave danger, for leadership and cunning in the time of great peril. And George says thanks, but he admits that they're not really heroes. But the king disagrees. There were no mistakes. The help seeker picked exactly whom I intended, and I made sure you had everything you needed to complete the task. The crab that showed you the way. 
The lever that saved your friends. The donkey from above. The adventure I call you to may not be easy, but you'll never journey alone. My help is always there. Then Elliot asks, When we were on the island, the ball said it was time to go home. And the king says, That was a test, which you passed with flying colors. Sometimes, a test helps us decide what matters most. Hold on a second! Wait, what? No, sorry. I get what you're doing here. Like it for the most part. Like it for the most part up till the end there. You're telling me, King, who is a stand-in for God, you're telling me that your daughter and son were in the hands of your murderous brother, who, by the way, you didn't get there in time to save. If they didn't knock him out mm -hmm. with the chandelier, your kids be dead. And you tested the only two people, three people that you thought were going to come and say, what if they, what if they failed the test? Mm -hmm. Why would you give them the test? That doesn't make any sense. And it looked like they were going to fail the test. I really thought they were at, at the one point when they were at the rowboat. That would have been a ship. horrible movie, Scott. Oh, it would have been, but it had me on the edge of my seat. I, I absolutely. <laughs> I'm all, I'm all, I'm all tore up over these vegetables, Zach. They <laughs> just, this scene right here, I, how is it I loved it and I hated it? There's, there's, I, 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 because you're right, it's, it felt like he was trying to play, take the place of God. That's no, what, I don't think he was trying, no, that. stop. I don't think he was trying to take the place of God at all. I think this is a parable. I don't think the king is saying okay. God. I think they're teaching spiritual truth through the story of these pirates. I don't think that See, he's taking the place the of God point, at all. That's the point in the story where I really, really got the whole thing. Right. It was it was out. I mean, that was outstanding there. But still, there was something, you know. And maybe I'm look maybe I'm looking at it uh, in the wrong way there with, uh, you know, him. I guess not thinking you're thinking he was God, but maybe he wasn't thinking he was God. But it was amazing to hear what he had to say to those guys. And there's a message that's there for kids uh, that a lot of learning can come from that. Right. But no, it's not a stand in for God. I truly look at it like, like the Chronicles of Narnia. If you read through those books or see the movies, it's the gospel story played out where Aslan plays God. He's a stand in for God, but no one ever says that CS Lewis, when he wrote it, nobody would say he's one of the best Christian writers ever would say that, that mm -hmm. he was replacing God with Aslan. We just know it's symbology. It's a parable. Yeah, yeah. This is just a parable with vegetables. Yeah. With asparagus and broccoli and a gourd. And, I, and, and no, I get it because what he's saying about tests and stuff, I like it. It's good spiritual truth. But mm -hmm. in this situation, you're sending yeah. these three to rescue your children. You don't test them. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you don't put a little test in there just to see... Oh, I'm, they failed the test. Now my daughter's dead. Mm. Yeah. Bad parent of the year award. Okay, so... The king then explains... The hero isn't the strongest, or the fastest, or the smartest, or the best looking. The hero is the one who, no matter how hard, does what he knows is right. Monteria! I give you three heroes! 
And the trio <laughs> is returned to the night they left, but before they were fired. But somehow, Robert managed to stow away in their rowboat. <laughs> then Robert attacks the trio on the restaurant set. And the trio bravely defeat Robert. And then the manager offers them positions in the show, which they turn down. Why? Because uh, they are just waiters. No, they're like, there's adventurer. No, but you still have to live in the modern world. Why, yep. why, why wouldn't you take the better job? That's dumb. Can we talk real quick about their perspective, though, as they went back into the restaurant theater? Mm-hmm. theater? Their lives. I can't believe I'm talking about vegetables here. Their lives have been changed. They found out what was important, and they're going back in to see family. And that was a neat, neat close, or close to the close of the show. But yeah, you're right. Why didn't they? Why didn't they become actors? It's dumb. But George gets the respect of his family. Yes, Larry's not afraid of everything. Sedgwick so he can... finally was able to get back to his TiVo and cheese puffs. It's a little <laughs> less lazy. In the love boat. And then it ends with the classic silly song, The Pirates Who Don't Do Anything. We are the pirates who don't do anything. We just stay at home and lie around. And if you ask us to do anything, we'll just tell you we don't do anything. But I've never been a and I've never been a temper, and I've never buried treasure in St. Louis or St. Paul, and I've never And then there's a post-credit scene where we get to see a music video parody of the B-52's Rock Lobster, which is one of my favorite Guilty Pleasure songs. <laughs> we were on the beach. I was running from evil cheese. They were trying to eat me up, but they ran into a rock. But it wasn't a rock. Oh, shoot. Of course, this one was called Rock Monster, which was in the trailer, and I was disappointed that I didn't see it until the very end. And then it pulled back, and this won't mean anything to Scott because he's never seen a VeggieTale thing in his life, but the tomato that was directing is one of the main characters of the show, Bob the Tomato, and he was relegated to a cheap joke at the end as being the director of the movie. But as we were saying, this is clearly a modern-day parable. And it's just basically telling you a good lesson to do what's right, even when it's hard. That God will That was give my you, rule. God will give you what you need to get through this life. There'll be tests along the way that really illuminate what's important and kinda And that's trials, you know? You go through hard mm-hmm. times in life, you find out what's important, you stop caring so much about what's not. Learn from them. And in the end, all you can do is obey God and do your best to do what's right. I had one rule for both my sons when they were growing up. Uh, Do what's right. Hey, Luke, what's your rating? Oh, wait, that's all right. Luke couldn't be bothered to show up today. Hey, Scott, what's your rating? I absolutely loved this movie. 
you've got these vegetables without arms, without feet. It makes no sense how they do things. I found all the songs in this catchy. I love the message. I love the uh, the ending of the movie where the learning was taking place. And you had a pirate with a spring-loaded peg leg. That was like bonus points there. I'm going to give this a 9 because I absolutely loved it. And I think there are a ton of messages that you can talk with your kids about. And it's great learning opportunity within this. And I'm probably, I uh, can't believe I'm going to say this, probably going to go watch some more VeggieTales shows. So you give it a 9. I'm going to give it a 6.5. The start was very slow for me. Mm-hmm. Very slow. Um, Bob the Tomato, who is, like I said, one of the key characters of VeggieTales, is shoved the back burner and only given a cameo. Those are my two negatives. But I have a lot of positives. It was fairly entertaining with clean comedy throughout. It had a good spiritual message. The original songs were catchy. Um, it taught spiritual truths without trying to shove denominational doctrine down your throat. And so, oh, but another negative, I guess, is Joseph was so bored by this movie, and that surprised me. He really? did not want to, he, he'll sit down and watch TV all day if I let him, but he would not sit down for VeggieTales. Um, so in the end, my final consensus is that it wasn't the best VeggieTales has to offer, but it was definitely not bad. Overall, it was a quality children or children's faith-based film. I recommend it. Uh, if you're looking for something for family movie night, you could do a lot worse than the pirates who don't do anything. So, Scott, what is our average score for this? 7.21. 7.21, which means that it scores higher than The Masked Saint. <laughs> That's like your comparison to everything. <laughs> but, Scott, I do have to say that it is not universally loved. Yeah. I, I scoured. I really did. I read like a thousand different reviews to try to find the best ones from Amazon and Rotten Tomatoes. That I figured it was mm -hmm. going to be a righteous rating, so I found the best negative reviews I could find. Okay. Uh, Carrie C. gave it... One star. And she wrote, Yeah, it is bad, unfunny, stupid, and nothing, and awful. Wow. I think that's part of what I liked it. There were some kind of stupid, silly little scenes in there. Some of the comments that I found quirky, and I liked them. Uh, Jeremy C., I don't think they're related, uh, gave it three stars and said, And I don't know why, but this is my favorite one. He said, a cool kids film. I loved it a while back, but I think about it more. And I think about it more. And I think that I don't really care for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't know why, but that cracks me up every time I read about it. Because, that don't make no sense. He loved it a while back, but he's just thinking about it. <laughs> He's just going around. <laughs> and I think about it. And I think about it. His daily life. And <laughs> he'll be at the grocery store. And just start thinking about it. 
about Veggie Tales. <laughs> and I see vegetables. Home, goes home to a hard day of work and sits next to his wife on the couch. Just, oh, honey. Oh, that movie. I really care for Veggie Tales. <laughs> I liked it one time, but now, now I just the more I, I, think, I think and think and I think, think about it more and I think about it more, and I think I really don't care for it. <laughs> Charles S. sounds like he'd be fun at parties. He gave the film one star and wrote, "I am usually a lover and supporter of the Veggie Tales series. However, this video, Pirates Who Don't Do Anything, a Veggie Tales movie, crossed the line." It started off by asking if I wanted to override the parental controls. What? Then, here comes the secular movie advertisements, all of which are unable to bypass slash fast forward. After seeing some scary ghost scene, I took the DVD out of the player, put it back in the case, and tossed it in the trash. Maybe not the best decision, but I needed to do this. Beware of videos after 2003. They are worldly influenced. So he doesn't even know what the movie was. I'm, I'm wondering about... He didn't see a bit of it. I'm wondering what the scary ghost scene was. I know. I don't think he was watching VeggieTales. <laughs> My favorite is Beware of Videos After 2003. They're oh, worldly wow. influence. What you tell me, everything prior to two thousand three, yeah. we're just yeah, that was just goodly Christian comedy right there. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing <sighs> came out before two thousand and three that was bad. <laughs> That's horrible. He didn't even see. He didn't even watch the Vegeta. And he hated it so much that he threw the DVD away. Not maybe not the best decision, he says, but it was something that he needed to do. I needed to do this. I need. I watched that scary ghost scene and the devil done took me over. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was possessed. What what ghost scene? I was don't that? know. I wonder if that was the uh, uh that was probably the guy that gave him the uh like the prophecy. Yeah, but it wasn't a ghost. No. But then no. again, that's exactly the type of writing that I would expect someone who uh, thinks that every video after 2003 <laughs> is, the devil. is satanic. Uh, Amazon customer gave it one star and said, "I it's a great start. I did not buy this movie. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to write about it. Um, <laughs> I took my son two years at the time to see this movie in the theater with his two cousins, I almost walked out. Too scary. It was not a good story if you are looking at it from the original VeggieTales standpoint. No religious theme that I could tell. Big Idea and VeggieTales should go back to their original type stories. Jonah, Esther, Moe and the Big Accent. Those were good, and I don't feel like I am scaring my son. Hmm. So have they done a lot of? Uh, so they did a Esther. Was uh, a VeggieTales Esther that was done? The TV show did a lot of stuff. I remember okay. when I was a kid. One of my favorite episodes was Dave and the Giant Pickle. Mm-hmm. It told the story of David and Goliath, but the Goliath was a was a giant pickle. Uh, was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. All right, Scott, you want to end the show? 
Yep, let's end it. Thank you so much for listening. That's going to do it for us here at Rotten or Righteous. Please like us on Facebook if you haven't already. That's facebook.com slash Rotten or Righteous. Follow us on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a quick review and five stars. It really helps us reach a larger audience. Please, if you like the show, tell someone about us. If you have a suggestion for a movie or a show you would like to review, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, yeah, or snide remarks, you can reach us at RottenOrRighteous at gmail.com or on Facebook Messenger. Please visit our website, RottenOrRighteous.com, and see what's going on over there. Uh, also, if you haven't noticed already, stay tuned just a bit after the closing music so as we put something there it's just a little post-credit scene just for just for you just for you jim just for you i see you stop doing what you're doing pay attention but yeah so it's there after uh after the the music starts playing just something funny there for you uh thank you so much for listening sharing and supporting our show for scott judge and not Luke Taylor, because he couldn't be bothered to show up today. I'm Zach Geiler, and this has been Rotten or Righteous. Hey, Scott? Do you yes, know, Zach. Do you know why the Green Pepper uh, lost the archery competition? Uh, no, I do not. Because he didn't have an arrow. Thank you very much, and we'll be with you guys <laughs> next week. Where's my thing? I just had a thought. Yeah. How small everything in this movie has to be. Oh, yeah. Because they're vegetables. Yeah. Very small. Does that mean that there's, there's, there's something, someplace in this world where there's just a tiny stage where a pear gets up every night, vegetable pear, gourd, whatever, and pretends to be a pirate? I think you're right. I want to live in that it, world. And here's the other thing. Is it a mini, miniature carrot? Or is it a big carrot? If it's a miniature, things are even smaller. There hasn't even seen a carrot yet. I don't think there's one in the movie. Yeah, there I is. Digress. There's definitely a carrot.